Welcome to the Leading Visionaries Podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established leading visionaries. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate and spotlight the leading visionaries who are thinking differently, seeing new possibilities, have the courage to dream big, take inspired action, and create conscious change all around the world. Now, here's your host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Leading Visionaries podcast, where we celebrate the ingenious, insightful, innovative, and inspired leading visionaries of our time and provide our listeners with world-class examples of the kind of courage, clarity, and confidence it takes to bring visions into reality. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our special guest, Julie Steelman. Julie is a leading thought leader on women's money, wealth, and prosperity. She has helped numerous women change their money story and create financial freedom so they live life on their own terms. Julie earned her way out of corporate America at the age of 47, financially free. She is an award-winning wildlife photographer who also runs a thriving and prosperous training company. And I am so delighted to welcome you to this show, Julie. You also have appeared on Wickedly Smart Women, our sister show. So welcome to the show, Julie. I'm going to start purring. (laughs) Yeah, I I want to start purring. It's so good to be with you and be in this space. And you know, I'm a huge fan of the incredible wisdom and podcasts that you put out because I think they're so right on and dialed in. And I have love for you and admiration for your work. So I'm honored to have time and space with you. Mm, Well, and the listeners. Yes, and the listeners. So, Julie, I want to start our time together today really talking about vision and being a visionary. You know, your story of earning your way out of corporate America at the age of 47 financially free is not something that most people would even consider as a possibility for themselves. Yeah. So I would love to have you talk about maybe start with, were you always visionary or was that something that came later in your journey? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm actually getting chills right now as Mm -hmm. you're asking me that question. Mm -hmm. I think that the short answer is that I was always a visionary, but I didn't know it until I was in corporate when I got catalyzed in a big way, you know, as a little kid, sit and watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. And I would go nuts and be like, no one talked to me for the next hour, you know, watching all the animals roaming the plains. And this thing inside of me was like, you need to go to Africa before you die. Like it was this imperative. It was this direct objective kind of thing. And it was my first sort of, you know, spiritual download, if you will. And I remember thinking to myself, even as a little kid, as I looked around my family, that they're great people, they were never going to allow me to go to Africa, like that wasn't going to happen. You know, that wasn't in their world, that wasn't in their reality, like you don't do that. And you're a little girl. And my mom was very proper about what boys could do and what girls couldn't do. And when I came out of the womb going, yeah, screw that. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, and so everything really honestly became oriented around that. I have to go to Africa before I die. I didn't even really know what that meant. Mm -hmm. It sounds like no big deal. By the time you get of age, buy an airplane ticket and get on and go. But it was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so everything that I studied in high school on into college was all oriented around somehow I need to have my own freedom. Mm -hmm. So I studied marketing and advertising. And I also found a way to one of the ways I first knew that I had visionary capacity was when you're a freshman in college and they throw the college catalog at you and go figure out your next four years. And oh, by the way, you're a freshman, you're not going to get anything you want. You're not going to get any classes you want. Yeah. And I started looking through the book and I saw a pattern. This pattern became very clear to me that if I did this, 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 and this, I could get four minors and two majors in four years, same trajectory. But it was just a series of which classes got you what. Mm. And I applied for all of that. And that's what I did. And I was like, all of a sudden, I started to realize I'm like, wait a minute, I can see through lines, if you mm. will. And then in corporate, you know, fast forward, I'm in the middle of the patriarchy in the middle of the heavy patriarchal years in the sales organizations at large corporations, working with household brands. And there weren't very many women. There were very, it was two of us, as a matter of fact. And I remember thinking all the things they were telling me, you're going to get pregnant. We're not going to invest in you for training. Women leave money on the table. You're terrible at business relationships. You give away too much. You never, you know, you don't ask enough. You don't charge all of that. And it's like this constant onslaught of this negative dialogue, this you're less than you can't do this job kind of thing. And I real, I just had this my thinking imagery obviously was partly my passion for being a wildlife photographer mm -hmm. and these images came of this roadblock where mm -hmm. it was like if you buy off on all of this and try to conform to what they want by people pleasing them around their minimal idea of you there's no possibility of getting to africa so i started to realize that i had to do my own thing i had mm -hmm. to honor my own thinking i had to honor my own wisdom and that these images and visions that came to me i know that sounds funky and weird but i would like see how to resolve things i would problem solve visually mm -hmm. that if but when i followed those i started producing miracles crushing sales earning my way out doing things that it was always possible but my question was how do you make it probable mm -hmm. right we all have all kind of possibility available to us but we don't think in terms of probability, what are the conditions I need to create in order for that to be real? Mm. I just wanted to get out. You know, within two weeks, mm. I was like, oh God, I'm in a cubicle. My boss <laughs> is in an office two feet away. They're telling me what to do and when I can come to lunch, you know? And I came out a rebel and a troublemaker. I'm like, this was not my context. Right. So it was like a inner drive more than anything. Mm. And because like you, we really believe in powerful, potent intentions, that it's not just said it because the spiritual guru told you to, mm. but that you invest energy in naming it, that you're putting the stake in the ground for something, that intention still pulls me to this day. Mm. Beautiful. All right. So what I want to unpack here for the people who are either visionary themselves and they yeah. have a big vision yeah or for the people who are in the role of leading other visionaries yeah 
to fulfill their vision. I want to talk about this idea of honoring your own thinking. Yeah. Because often in a visionary, a visionary is somebody who is able to see in ways that others can't see. Like you mentioned seeing the, the through line. And what's fascinating is how you saw was not just seeing the pattern, Julie, but it was seeing how to multiply the results of the investment of the four years. It was the same four years where most people were getting one major and maybe a minor. And in your case, you were able to not only see the pattern, but you were able to see how to exponentialize the investment of your time, your energy, and your devotion to get a higher reward on the back end than even the institution was contemplating. Yeah. Was possible. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what it takes to honor your own thinking. Well, I will go immediately to, in hindsight, as I unpack what was that, Mm. I actually think we all have some varying degrees of visionary in us, Mm. but it's how much space do we make for it? And do we have the audacity to be willing to see beyond what is right in front of your face? Mm. And so I think those two things are important. For me, of course, I relate it to wildlife. So for me, that was, it's a leopard skill. They're in a habitat. That habitat changes every single day. Competition shows up. Every once in a while, they get a windfall. The weather changes. People come into the habitat. That changes. Where they are changes. It's 100% a dynamic changing environment every single day. And they don't wake up in the morning, go, well, cool, I'll go kill at three o'clock. And, you know, the impalas will be over there on the left by the by the tree. And, you know, I'll come back and then I'll lay in my tree and I'll feed my cup. Like, it's not like that. Mm. They live so alive, so in an organic world that they trust themselves right they don't rely on the outer environment to be predictable in order for them to be okay so in my circumstances it was just personal drive and motivation and i had a father that nurtured me financially and that taught me how to think and so my value was freedom Hmm. but if i unpack it we get very homogenized and very conditioned that we're supposed to believe everything everyone else tells you that we're supposed to buy into the environment as it is we're not ever supposed to question anything and especially women right Mm. oh please don't if you're anything other than a people pleaser Mm. or giving you're gonna get some grief Mm. you know and i grew up with three older brothers so i didn't have that context They made me one of the boys, you know, so I was like, I had boot camp long before I went to corporate. But this idea of thinking about a leopardess in a habitat, you know, like where she eats is different every single day. Mm. What time of the day she succeeds is different every Mm. single day. What she wakes up into is different every single day. And if we were more integrated in who we are, what I call trusting the wild instinct, the unhomogenized self. Mm that vision is right there. 
Excellent. I love that. So for our listeners, I want you to take a moment. Let's just take this one moment right now and ask yourself what needs to go so that I can get closer to my wild, instinctual, organic animal self. Yeah. And in this moment, allow that to rise up and allow it to be claimed. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to let you know where you can find out more about Julie Steelman. So listeners, are you a leading visionary or in the role of leading other visionaries? Consider joining our community and sharing your feedback and takeaways from each episode. We invite you to join us and support this podcast by making a donation at leadingvisionariespodcast.com. If you're interested in finding out more about how you can receive support for getting your vision out of the air and onto the ground, you can apply to qualify for a complimentary consultation with me or a member of my team by clicking the Connect with Angel button on the website. Be sure to share this show in your own spirals of influence with the people who you think might benefit from our content. I want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I believe we are now downloading in 10 countries. So we're going to say, we're going to shout out to our listeners this week in Cambodia and the Philippines. And we will be right back with Julie Steelman. The Leading Visionaries podcast is brought to you by the Creative Age Consulting Group. Are you the one who thinks differently, who is called to create a significant conscious change in the world, who is seeing and dreaming of a better way for your industry, your community, humanity? Creative Age Consulting Group is hired to guide leading visionaries just like you who want to break through the static in order to clearly express and confidently enroll support for their vision in a way that makes it inevitable that it will come to pass. Your word is your wand, and as the leader, your ability to articulate and communicate your vision is essential to its materialization and monetization. Please enjoy with our compliments a free copy of the book, Be Heard by Millions and Live Your Destiny, which was a number one new release in three categories to get you started. The book is yours by visiting gift.leadingvisionariespodcast.com. And we are back with Julie Steelman. You can actually find out more about Julie, her prosperous training company, her wildlife photography, and all the things that she has to offer about helping women to become more wealthy and prosperous at juliesteelman.com. We will have that for you in the show notes. So before we went to the break, Julie, we were talking about this idea of there is a wild instinct within us. So I'd love to have you talk about not only did you, you know, earn your way out of corporate America at 47, financially free, because freedom was your value, but you also made it to Africa and are, you know, a stunning, stunningly gorgeous, like breathtakingly gorgeous wildlife photography. It's the kind of wildlife photography that you would see in National Geographic. So I'd love to have you talk about when that vision came on board. It wasn't just go to Africa. Well, you could have just gone to Africa. Mm -hmm. Like what happened 
to get you to Africa. Let's start with that. The first, yeah. the first trip to Africa. And then from there, what next vision arose? Because this is also true of most leading visionaries. We get a vision, we ultimately fulfill it, and then new visions arise. Yes. So can you talk about that whole trajectory? Yeah. So that's a whole lifelong trajectory, but I was working at Microsoft and I was a manager at MSN. We were launching the internet and blah, blah, blah. And I was in a meeting with all of the managers. I was one of two sales managers out of probably 300 people. And the VP popped a slide up on the stage and set with all the teams listed on it. And he said, now we need to decide who gets deleted. And I was like, what? And those were his words. And I was like, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I was living in LA, driving by the beach, you know, every day in my convertible, money, toys, accolades. And I got home and I looked at myself in the rearview mirror and it was, if they're all dispensable and can get deleted, so can I. Mm. And it was a catalyzing moment where I was like, I have to stop being in an environment where I think someone owns me and they're in charge or in control. That I'm actually bringing value to their environment a lot more than they're bringing value to my environment. And I went inside and I booked a scuba diving trip to Turks and Caicos because I was like, I need to reconnect to what's important to me because the air and the traffic and I felt suffocated, <laughs> you know. And so the next week I went on the last day, my dive master says, put on your mask and snorkel and get back in the water. And I'm in this aquamarine blue water with the sun setting and the moon rising, these light rays shimmering through. There's four wild bottlenose dolphins and just me. Mm. And what I witnessed over the next hour was something I still have yet to see video of. But the point I'm bringing you to is that it was in that moment I knew I could never be without a camera again, that yeah. something was happening. Mm -hmm. And there was this, they reignited my free self. Yeah. And it's when I came to the realization that no one owns me and I get to decide how my future is. It doesn't mean I'm gonna go blow up my job or I'm gonna go blow up my relationships, but I needed to reorient around that no one owns me. And it was in that moment that a whole nother string of visionariness came in and on my flight home, I said to myself, what if I treated all of my sales transactions as if they were for my own entrepreneurial business, even though I didn't have my own business yet? Mm. What if I changed the way I was looking at this? So my mindset went from, I'm working for the man, I'm doing what you want me to do, I'm answering to you about my goals and progress all the time, to what if I'm doing this for myself? Mm. I'm gonna answer all your questions, but energetically I'm invested in myself. Mm. And it was like, when you make space for that kind of awareness and knowingness to come in, but then you have to have the audacity to follow it through. Mm. And what I think happened is being with, you know, I'm just goofy, no one should do what I do, but being one-on-one -on -one eye level with wildlife in their space, which is a lot of what I do, not in safari vehicles and all this other stuff, I'm like eye to eye, foot to foot with apex predators. There is a transmission that happens and what I've learned from them is their totally realized soul. They don't wonder who they are, a leopard doesn't walk through a habitat wondering if her butt's too big and if she'll find a man and if she'll get to mate, right? Or is she worthy of the impala that she just hunted? If we take the metaphor and go, I started to learn from them hmm. that they're this fully realized being and they live 100% off their instinct. 
And in the present moment, too. And in the present moment. Right. And in the present moment. And they pivot based on what circumstance is happening right now in the moment. So they stay present. Right. All right. So I love that you often are using the word catalyzing. <laughs> and the leopards are certainly your, I will call them your power animal. I also love the word audacity. And, yeah. you know, anybody who is a visionary, they do need to have some audacity. They yeah. need to have the audacity to break down the internalized oppression and to also break through the externalized oppression. Yeah. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what you do to support your people that you work with yeah. to either activate, catalyze, cultivate, amplify their own audacity, specifically in terms of you know generating money for themselves that's going to allow them to be financially free. Yeah, that's the financial security, stabilizing income and financial freedom, you know, are a lot of the things that my clients are after. And it really starts by going back to the audacity. So we all have a lived experience. We have a way we've all the things and stories and traumas and trials and tribulations we've been through. We've also learned from them. And we've also been trained in a lot of different modalities. And we all have a, like, if we wrote a book for every year of our life, there would be that many chapters, right? Yet we never really own or say what it is that we've synthesized from our life experience and all the trainings and all the certifications or all the jobs or all the curriculums that we've learned from, how we've synthesized all of that into a something that would dramatically enhance or improve someone else's life in whatever context that would be it. Yeah. So it almost starts there in having an audacity and a willingness to own your greatness. And I don't mean that as a trait statement. Mm -hmm. I mean, really permission to say, like even moms being willing to say, I raise kids. Well, there's another way to say that. I foster greatness in others. Mm -hmm. Like reframing the roles as the actual thing that you do mm. is the beginning of how we break up with the conditionings to stop seeing ourselves as a role. Instead, see what do you do with the role that is the thing you would pay for or you can get paid for, mm. right? Right. And it starts there. And so many people are withholding their biggest message, their wisdom, because it feels like you'd ruffle a lot of feathers, you'd piss a lot of people off, <laughs> your family would think, who are you? You're being too big for your britches. Yeah. The art of it is how you communicate the vision that you see yeah. and gently enroll people in, hey, have you ever thought about this other idea? I just kind of realized, and that would mean X, Y, and Z, and then we could yada, 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 yeah. right? And like as an invitation, instead of withholding it all because there's an uncomfortableness in talking to other people about it because you think that they're gonna come after you or it makes you vulnerable, mm. right? So I think that holds us back so much and you have to have a little bit of moxie. You know, there's an inner willingness to break through a barrier to listen and to trust what you're being given and check it out. And there's an outer barrier of, okay, what do I do with that? That would be right. of service. Right. And so is there something that you do internally yourself or help your clients to do to yeah. 
amplify, cultivate this audacity? Yeah, one of the things we do is what I call an impact assessment. Mm. And it's super simple, which I could just verbally say right now is you make a list of like five to 10 things that you do in your life that people love that, Mm. you know, maybe it's for your clients, if you have clients, or it's for your family, or it's for your colleagues or your coworkers, like you're the one that brings the fun, or like a mom, as I said, right, or Mm. maybe you're a marketing manager at a corporation. And, you know, your job is really a customer advocacy role. Like, what if you said, well, I'm not a marketing manager, I'm customer, like, we don't see the energy that we invest Mm. in our why. And when you start to name that, you list those things, then you go back over the list and check off the things you'd pay for. Like, Mm. would you pay someone to have fun and listen to you? I would, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so when we do that, they start to see things differently when you shift out of a role and you shift into the service you bring to the role. And then you actually look at, you would pay for that. You start to see the value in it. Right. That starts to break down a lot of these ideas that I need to be another one saying the same thing as 40,000 other people, because then I won't stand out and I won't get in trouble. Right. I got in trouble my whole life. <laughs> I have the whole, I'm going to get in trouble thing. And now I'm just like, pfft. You know, I'm used to getting in trouble. (laughs) All right. So what I hear in there is it's by putting into your vision, literally putting into your vision Mm -hmm. and reframing how you're holding what you're bringing to the world. Yeah. That actually just having it in your vision allows the kind of an organic disintegration of some of this conditioning and and yeah. amplifies your ability to have audacity because you're breaking out of that frame and you are creating for yourself the new frame. Is that what I'm hearing? Did I hear that? Yeah, correctly? that's accurate. And then what happens is you really define your purpose mm-hmm. as more than just an energetic feeling. It becomes actionable. And that is the source of prosperity. And then we can monetize. Then we can create lucrative offers. Then that all feels in alignment, right? And you stop withholding. It's almost like an irreversible aha. When Mm. you see it that way, you Mm. can't go back to the old way Mm -hmm. where you're holding everything in. And I think everyone has a vision for change. We could use the word longing in Mm. place of it something that you care deeply about that you would like to see radically different, you know, and that deep grief takes us to deep care, which points to the thing that you're most in love with and madly want to see be different. Mm. And we don't spend enough time in that journey to look at what's the longing and everybody's longing has purpose in it. Mm. And if we were to own that, there's a there's a way to monetize this, to accelerate income, to make money, to make, I take my people through purpose into self-trust, you know, I call it the wheel of prosperity, mm. into meaningful impact, mm. which creates earning power. When you harness earning power, that stabilizes income. When you have stable income, then we can get you to financial security and then philanthropy and wealth and it's freedom. A cycle. Right, and freedom. right, right. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, Julie, as always, it's a pleasure and we could spend hours talking with each other. <laughs> However, <laughs> we are at the close. So thank you so much for being here and bringing your catalytic vision and 
also I want to encourage our listeners definitely please look at her photography. It's it's really literally National Geographic worthy photography, in my opinion. So we do love feedback. Please let us know what you think of this show by joining our community, sharing your takeaways, asking questions, or submitting guest suggestions. You can weave your visionary thread into our fabric by opting in on our website at leadingvisionariespodcast.com or by interacting with us on social. Look for the handle at Leading Visionaries Podcast across all of the major platforms. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your eyes, ears, and hearts open. And remember, you are here to create conscious change. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, and listening. Be sure to rate and review Leading Visionaries on Apple Podcasts and share with other people you know who can benefit from today's episode. Leading Visionaries is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leading visionaries who are called to create conscious change and know that now is the best time to welcome wealth and cultivate a web of collaborative support to bring their vision to life. We invite your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of new episodes at leadingvisionariespodcast.com.